The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 46. What attitude do you need to pursue a career in sports journalism? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who will inspire and encourage you to be the best you can be in your profession, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports journalism. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Paul Morgan. Paul has over 20 years of experience working in sports journalism, especially in the rugby sector. Now he is the communications director at Premiership Rugby. I can happily say that I'm very fascinated about Paul's career journey in the sports industry, and it's great to have him as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, Paul will share his sports career journey and explain to you what attitude you need to pursue a career as a sports journalist. Paul, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Uh, Well, for me, it started probably at college at Surrey University and started uh, the student newspaper there. Didn't have one before, um, but we, we started one while I was there. And that, that was the beginning for me. May I ask what you did at university and how you've applied it now to your career, looking back? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went, we went, obviously, I went what would be considered a very conventional route in the days when I started. I went from that college to do work experience at the local newspaper, which was the Richmond Trickenham Times, which is the one in our, which is the one that was closest to me, um, and stayed there and sort of hang around really like a bad smell until a job came along. Um, it was just a question of, staying and you know I suppose resilience was the most important thing really not giving up and keeping going you know I've seen lots and lots of uh, journalists who well first of all have no idea what the job entails especially being a sports journalist because they think they can still play rugby or football or hockey or cricket at the weekend if they're going to be a sports journalist which clearly you have to give up your career as a player if you're going to be a journalist because you have to work at the weekends so I think it was that kind of um you know that resilience really just kept going kept going and while I was doing work experience I was given two days work uh, at 25 pounds a day uh, to begin with and while I was doing that uh, somebody left and I I was given their job and it was as simple as that from there on it was just a matter of uh, growing from from you know keeping keeping momentum going and going through my career from there. What inspired you to work in sports journalism? Well you know, my, my father was a writer um, and it, it, obviously sport, as it is for many young boys and girls, is, is, is an obsession, a fascination. You know, uh, a, we can't really, you know, when I was through six, seven, eight, nine, ten, couldn't get enough sport. And by the time I was 14, I was writing match reports on the boundary at Glamorgan Cricket in South Wales. Uh, sending them into local newspapers, writing letters to the Sunday Times and the Times letters. I've still replies I've still got. 
So I think it was always something that was kind of in my blood, whether that came from my from my dad's writing, I don't know. But um, it was something that was, you know, I think for everybody, well, the vast majority of people I speak to want to work in sport. It's something, you know, it's obviously an exciting, fast paced industry and to write about it and to be go, you know, and then to go to watch your hero interview your heroes go around the world be sent around the world by newspapers it's um it's a privilege often they're hard work but it's often a privilege to do it out of interest just on a sports industry perspective have you seen the industry grow especially in the rugby sector well i mean rugby's transformed since i started working in it of course when i was at the richmond twickenham times uh, we had had five first-class uh, rugby teams in our circulation area: Harlequins, London Irish, London Scottish, London Welsh, London, and um, and Roslyn Park as well. So you know, just looking. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I wrote a book once about the history of rugby, and for the people who know this part of the world, the the A three one six is a is is a road that runs from Richmond. Uh, through and to Twickenham and out into Sunbury. And that road itself, in many ways, uh, casts and shows exactly how rugby's changed uh, since the game turned professionalism professional. Along, along that road, London Welsh, London Scottish, Richmond, Rosslyn Park, slightly off it for those uh, travel nerds, all playing at the top level. Now, in that area, all we've got is Harlequins playing at the top level. So the transformation of rugby is almost be seen in that circulation area of the Richmond Twickenham Times in a funny way. I mean, I know there's been, you know, different changes around the rest of the country as well, but the, the job has changed, you know, completely. I mean, you know, when I was going to watch Harlequins play, they would have crowds of 1,000, 1,100 sharing with London Irish. Uh, now you go there and it's 15,000 every week and some of the biggest stars in the world. So, you know, that from that side of it's totally transformed. Clearly, the business of journalism has completely changed uh, because of the digital age. And, you know, I, I've, I sort of had before, during and now a little bit of post that and, 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 it, and it changes every day. Um, when I was working at IPC as editor of Rugby World, there was a the editor and then became editorial director of the New Musical Express, a guy called Steve Sutherland. Uh, I remember he told a story once about an enemy journalist who, um, when they when the enemy was at its height, as one of the great newspaper one of the great newspapers as it always, always was, Bibles, a journalist would go to interview a band in a pub on a Monday afternoon, probably get drunk with that that band, come back to the office on Tuesday, start writing up the story, hand it over to their sub editors on a Wednesday, they then polish it up for them. And it would be in the paper on a Thursday. Now that journalist, sure, it's even moved on from them. But even up to five, six, even 10 years ago, that journalist is going to interview that band on a Monday. But on Monday morning, he's in social media telling everyone he's doing it. He, When he gets to do that interview, he's probably got to video it. He's probably got to record it. He's probably got to put social media, whether it's through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want to call it, while he's doing the interview. He's got to talk to that band about promoting his article. He's got to get back to the office. He's got to work out which bits he can release now as as teasers for his interview, which bits he can keep back to the interview. Tuesday, he writes up the interview, continues with that social media teasing of the piece. Wednesday, then it goes in the in the paper. Thursday, it comes out. When it comes out on Thursday, everybody probably that he knows has got to be ready to help him promote that piece. The band themselves have got to promote that piece. The agent of the band, the whole industry around the job that's done is colossal and it's the same for doing in rugby match report in a way you know you would um in years gone by just turn up watch the game do a report send it in now 
you've got to be a social media presence before the game. You've probably got to be a bit of a social media presence during the game if you can manage to multitask. But you've definitely got to be one after the game. You know, as soon as that match is over, you've got to tell people you were there. You've got to tell people what maybe coaches have said. You've got to start a debate with your, uh, with what you want to call them, your your viewers, your followers, your listeners. You've got to start a debate. You've got to tease them up. You've got to tell them next morning the paper's coming out and there's going to be a big feature on Sam Warburton or whoever. Uh, and you've got to have probably have a debate on the Saturday. If, if this is a Sunday newspaper, you've probably got to have a debate on Saturday night about why Sam Warburton should be Lions captain. So the layers, I suppose, is the thing that's changed. It's now multi, multi-layered in a way that it never was at the beginning. Uh, but um, it doesn't mean it's any less fun it's just as much fun do you know what you've just given a great snapshot of what modern journalism is all about just for students at university and who want to understand those layers would you mind explaining the type of attitude they need to be able to pursue it as a career i mean the the only attitude you need really is to never give up um and and, and never be put off and i think the one advantage now and if we go back to my enemy story is that to do that you had to be a, somebody who was employed by the enemy now to today you don't have to be employed by anybody you can just do it and when people say that to me oh you know how do I get started I say just start walk out the door and you're a journalist and get on with it so I think I think that the reality is the, the biggest thing is not not giving up and I'll, I'll give you an example of a, a rugby journalist a woman called Emma Thurston, who anyone you know listening to this, watching this, I would encourage to follow her on, on social media. Emma's someone who just landed in the rugby world about three or four years ago at a time when there were lots of bloggers, uh, lots of people trying to get a little bit of uh, influence in social media. And Emma never went away. And Emma kept writing. And Emma kept watching every game. And Emma kept, kept going. And eventually the, the door opens. But, you know, that's hard to do because... After six months and the door hasn't opened and you're still just tweeting your, your match report that no one's reading, it can be quite um, it can be quite demoralising. But eventually the door will open. And I think, I think the, the difference now, I guess, the huge, huge difference is that 10 or 20 years ago, or more than that now, when I would go to 35 years ago, when I would go to Glamorgan Cricket, stand on the boundary, write my match report in my little notebook, I didn't ha- I didn't really have any but any way unless I posted it to people, which I did, much way of letting anyone know about that. Whereas now somebody can, you know, write a brilliant match report from a match they're going to this weekend, not even as journalists, but as a fan. Anyone going to Saracens Glasgow this weekend can write themselves a four hundred word match report and they can get it on social media. And if it's about Alex Good or Owen Farrell or Mauro Itoji, they can they can aim they can send it to them on social media they can send them a direct message they can actually copy them into the post and you know what especially in rugby people are really encouraging and sometimes those players may share that the club may share it and then all of a sudden lots of people are seeing it so in a funny way to get from putting the words on a piece of paper to actually getting people to read it is a far far easier now than it ever was 20 30 years ago just touching back on your career what inspired you to then work with premiership rugby and what's your main role at the moment I mean, I'm communications director of Premiership Rugby, so I've obviously moved away from journalism into communications and, and public relations. Um, I suppose I went, you know, my, my career went from that local newspaper to working for the Evening Standard, uh, both on news and on sports, working. And then I then went to a reporting agency, which, you know, again, I think was a, a re- I'm really, really 
privileged and delighted that I that I was able to do that because at that reporting agency it was an agency called Haters, which I think is still still running now. I, we I did every sport. I did um, Olympic Games, European Championships. I did you know every sport you can imagine, which gave me a a real grounding in how just to get to the story, I suppose. And even had one strange incident. Well, obviously when I came there. Because I'm Welsh, I guess, as I was at Richmond Trippin Times, I get sort of pushed a little bit into rugby. Rugby was never really my, it was never something, I obviously grew up playing it, but it was never as much of a passion as it became. And um, when I was at Haters, we even got a, a call once, I think it was from the Telegraph of the Times, to go and ask us to cover uh, Rugby Fives at St Paul's School. And when the call came in, everyone, I was sent to do it. Now, I don't know if you know, even know what Rugby Fives is. It's not a game that's got anything to do with rugby. It's a sort of squash 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 court like eight and fives yeah but it's called rugby fives because it was developed at rugby school not because it's got anything to do with the sport so i turn up to expect to cover a, a i don't even know why i'm turning up to cover but i expect to cover something that's got a rugby ball in it and i know i'm shown to this squash court so to, to get to, to to have to be able to think on your feet like that and be able to switch your your um you know your expertise and they say with journalists you know we're experts for about a day on a subject that's kind of how it was and we very much had that philosophy at the evening standard when i was doing news you had to be brilliant at the the topic that was you know if if it's this week you've got to you've got to know everything about brexit and donald trump next week will be something else but you've got to be an expert at that time about that thing um so yeah so i went through that that sort of phase then when i was at haters um, you do, you know, you start building up relationships with newspapers and magazines. That's how it all works. And I built up a relationship with the Mail on Sunday and with Rugby World magazine. So then I went to Rugby World magazine as deputy editor, stayed working for the Mail on Sunday from, uh, let, let's just think now, um, what year would, it was ni- 1993 when England beat the All Blacks. I think, I think it was 93, started then and went through right through to the, the 2011 World Cup so I worked for them over that time and worked for Rugby World at the same time and then became editor of Rugby World and then got to a you know got to a a stage where I wanted to try something different in my life and I'd been a a journalist for 25 years or so and this opportunity came up Premiership Rugby to to be communications director here and it was a fantastic opportunity Um, left me kept me still working in rugby, kept me working with many, many of the um, same people that I'd worked with anyway, but the challenges and the job is a completely different one. So it's been quite a, a sort of uh, invigoration, really, of my career, I suppose, to have new challenges and, and learn new skills uh, that hopefully the journalism helped me a little bit to make that little transition a little easier. That's really great to hear. Just on a personal note, Paul, just reflecting from the last 25 years, what have you enjoyed the most from your career i mean it's 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 the event really i think i don't think you can beat the event um i'll take you back i know i suppose the day that's going to stand out for most rugby fans would be the you know the 03 world cup final in in sydney um you know it was a it was a it was obviously an unforgettable day um evening kickoff so you know your day started at about 1 p.m um we reported the game did the interviews got back to the hotel at 4 a.m um i stayed up till 8 a.m and went to bed at 8 a.m and at 10 past eight the mail on sunday phoned me and said would you go out and get all the australian newspapers and do a digest of the australian newspapers for us so i did that and basically then went right the way through to 5 p.m which was when we got our flight home so you know on one sense it, it, that's really hard work and, and the reality is 
it was almost every other single person in Sydney was having much more fun than we were having at the time because it was the biggest story we were ever going to get involved with. So the way that a newspaper like the Mail on Sunday worked is, you know, you basically couldn't write enough words to put in the paper. So it was just a constant uh, through the night work. But you'd never you'd never change that for anything because that's what you kind of do it for. And it's being there. Being there for the big story, I mean, I remember when I was at Haters, one of the, the guys I worked with there, a guy called Joe Bernstein, still working at the Mail on Sunday now. Well, you know, he, I remember him saying to me, oh, you, you, you're getting really lucky. You've had a really lucky run. And I said, why did you say that, Joe? And he said, you know, you were at Crystal Palace, Man United, when I at Cantona, Kung Fu kicked that fan in the face. I was I was there and I wrote that story. And you sometimes get in. That's that's what you do it for, isn't it? To be at those events when the story's at its biggest. And that's the buzz, I guess, you know, the, the buzz it's of the match day is, um, and, it, it, and it's a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of pressure, especially when you're overseas, when the time difference is different, you know, that that's a great example of working in the Southern Hemisphere. As you go to bed, everyone gets up. So you're, you work through your, your New Zealand or your Australian day, and then you get phoned at about three o'clock in the morning from somebody back in the office who wants you to do something different than you did before or they want to check some words and you're like well you know so 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 there are, it, it does bring its challenges and, and i think the the camaraderie of the group as well of, of journalists you, you can imagine around throughout that period i probably i toured with england from well 97 lions my first one but properly with england guess from 99 did every england tour from 99 to the world cup in 2011 and to build up that kind of camaraderie with that group of media not just journalists because we obviously had a lot of people in there from different broadcasters as well radio tv etc that camaraderie of that group was something really really special and i think within any whatever job you do if you ever get into that sort of team and of course it's a very strange dynamic in a way because you're you're all competing for for a story or for an interview amongst each other but there's still a great camaraderie so going on those tours which i think is very rugby you know a tour football doesn't really have tours. You have tournaments. Don't really have tours. Cricket has tours, but uh, that was quite that 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 those those kind of memories are quite special. Uh, but I think I think it's the event that you'll always remember. Yeah, you know you you might have broken a great story or felt that you'd written a great feature or something. But um, you know that those things tend to sort of blend in a little bit over a while but i guess it's the it's the big event and look this weekend you know it's um you know it's european uh, quarterfinal weekend and they are some big big sporting events we're getting towards the business end of our season now i can't wait until you know the premiership final i can't wait until the uh, european champions cup final i've seen you know i can't even count how many of them but it doesn't change the excitement level that i've got for those events really so i think that's that's probably the thing that will always stand out in my memory, the event and, and you know, the hard work and, you know, working at two, three, four in the morning or whatever, you, you tend to forget a little bit and it all becomes part of the, I suppose, part of the buzz of it, I guess. I just find this fascinating and I can definitely hear the excitement through the mic. I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career as a sports journalist? You know, back to the old Nike thing, just do it. Um, Again, I'll tell you a really brief story if I can, but um, uh, there's a woman called Sarah Mockford who's now deputy editor of Rugby World. And um, we first met Sarah as a group of rugby journalists on the 2001 Lions Tour to Australia. Um, Sarah came 
on that tour, um, I think she might have been about 19 or 20. Um, she'd never been on an aeroplane before, but she came on that Lions tour. She'd worked as the press officer for a very small rugby club in Sussex. So, and why, you know, and the reason I say that is that you don't need to work for a national newspaper straight off the bat. Everybody's got a rugby club, a football club, a hockey club, a cricket, whatever, where they could be the person that writes for them. Um, I'm sure everybody knows um, Sonny McLaughlin, the uh, Five Live reporter, one of the probably best in her field, potentially in the world. Sonia was my hockey correspondent at the Richmond Trickham Times. Sonia was a big hockey player and she became the, the she became Teddington Hockey Club's PR person. So she wrote match reports for Teddington Hockey Club and she sent them into the Richmond Trickham Times. She got them published. She got a name in, you know, I don't know, I've probably not, I've not really talked about this. I don't know how important that was on her journey to working for Five Live, probably tiny, but that nobody needs to, to nobody needs an excuse to start. Start, start today go and find someone to write about and the thing is if you take you know it doesn't matter what part of the world you're talking about stick with my sort of part of the world if you like richmond rugby club okay they're in the championship they don't get enough publicity there are a ton of brilliant stories at richmond rugby club about the players a ton of them that people would be interested in publishing or you should just write about and publish yourself so you don't need to don't need to stop you know books are a great example anybody can write a book anyone can get their book self-published just need a good idea and they just need the determination and the resilience to do it and you don't need any permission anymore to get going and you don't need any permission to publish so so there are actually no excuses because there are a thousand i'm a I'm a coach and under I coach under eights hockey at Sunbury Hockey Club. We don't have there's nobody at Sunbury Hockey Club writing about the people writing about what's happening at Sunbury Hockey Club for local newspapers or writing for it for social media or for, occasionally someone might write a story on the website. So even in our area, you could just you know if I was if I if I needed to, I could start writing and I can guarantee you there'd be 50 great stories at Sunbury Hockey Club, which is you know a tiny hockey club in the middle in our. Uh, on the outskirts of London so just do it just get on with it start today write about today speak to people you know and if you can get hold of a little sports club or you know say 10 not clubs not a little sports club it's a big club if you can get hold of a big club whether that's rugby football hockey cricket anything brilliant that's even better and I think what you'll find is that people are much more accommodating and encouraging than you could ever imagine uh, and what, whatever I think I think you know coming back to people's passions it is quite important that when you make that first step you do go into something that you know quite well because if you gonna if you if you've played cricket all your life like I have you need to have a certain knowledge so when you've you know when you've written for a whole season about Durham County Cricket Club and you've written a match report from loads of their games when you then send them in to the media officer at Durham to see if you can get some uh, work experience working with him in his department, they need to be good. And then, you know, and they need to show that you're not just writing, in, you know, CVs, applications, letters are nowhere near as good as an example of your work. And if you've done an example of six, eight, ten months of work following that club, who wouldn't be impressed by that? So there are lots of opportunities and there are, but you have just got, got to do it and I think the people you know the people I've seen fail are the people have just given up really and I understand that because also people have got bills to pay people have got other things to get get on with but I think in terms of people who are at an age of a student 
are absolutely in the perfect position to get cracking. What is really hard, and I had a number of these over the years, especially when I was at Rugby World, had have people in their 30s saying they want to be a sports journalist. Now, that is really tough because you've got to change career and you've got to stop paying your bills. So that is really tough to try and switch career at that at that age really really hard but what isn't hard at all is to start when you're 18 19 or 20 that is so easy especially if you're at university because i know you've got your studies but you haven't necessarily got you know you haven't got a mortgage to pay necessarily i know some students will but the majority won't have they won't have that level of responsibility so getting gumption get going everyone started Everybody started in the same place with a blank sheet of paper. You know, Stephen Jones started somewhere. So did Nick Kane. You know, so did Steve James. They all started somewhere. The reason why anybody listening or watching this can't be the next person on, you know, can't be that 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 next rugby correspondent of Sunday Times. No reason at all. Paul, that is great. I think you just highlighted the key point: is there's no excuses, and you've got to have that positive attitude, which we spoke throughout this show. How can people interact with you? I'm more than happy for people contact me on social media. Send, you know, I'm more than happy if people want to share things like that, and I'll and I'll look at them. I get things sent to me from the, you know, as I say, from the lowest level to the highest. Um, you know, we're sharing Alex Corby Sierra's podcast today, which I think is great. You know, that's another opportunity. We're doing this as a broadcast piece. Podcasts are exploding at the moment. I mean, it seems like. Five years ago, they were they were the biggest. They were they'd gone out of fashion. Now they're back in a you know in a huge way. So get that get that content done. And as I say, when you know if you if you speak to someone like Stephen Jones of Sunday Times, he always says to people, get a voice. You know, get an opinion about things. But you need a lot of hard work to get an opinion because if your opinion is not based on anything. It'll be it'll be, it'll be clear that it's it's not based on anything. He it's easy for Stephen Jones to have an opinion because he's been watching rugby for forty years and been going on Lions tours since since the mid nineties. So it's a lot easier because he's got such a body of work behind him. But I would think getting a voice, you know, trying new things and people sh- share them with people. You just you know people are far far more encouraging than ever than anyone would ever imagine. And you don't need to phone them up anymore. You don't even need to email them. Everyone's on social media. Just contact them. Look, you contacted me out of the blue. Um, you sent me a note, and we're sitting down here doing this. So what? How? You know, there's no, there are no barriers anymore. Just get going. I mean, we, you know, we had a, a, a you know, a good example very recently. We did a, a, a community project in Argentina. We took our hits program to Argentina, and we were trying to get some publicity for this. And we just sent social media messages to all the Argentinian rugby players who are playing in England. They were like absolutely delighted to share the content. They were some of them were like, oh, what, what you know, what is this all about? What you tell me, which part of Argentina? People were really enthusiastic. That you know, that is a good example. We have a um, another program, community program we run in Brazil, and we've had a lot of success with Brazilian sports people who, you know, can see someone's doing spreading, bringing rugby to Brazil, doing a good thing, and they're you know, and they're happy to share that content too. So I think I think you'd be people would be surprised. If they're right about someone, of course. If you if you say that um, player X shouldn't be Lions tour in your in your in your um, in your piece, they might not share that. But um, as long as if you're being if if you're writing about somebody and in a positive way, I, I you know you'd be surprised how many people how encouraging people will be uh, along the way. Paul, that is great. Just for all the listeners listening in, I will put uh, Paul's Twitter link on the website relating to this blog post. Paul, I found this chat really fascinating and thank you so much for being a special guest on the show. 
Thank you. My pleasure, Ed. It's lovely to talk to you. Wow. What an incredible interview by Paul. And I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, the biggest lesson I've learned from this interview is that there is such a great in-depth understanding about modern sports journalism. And how you can get involved relates to two things. One, just do it. And two, there are no excuses. They are the two biggest elements which define you if you want to make this a career. By understanding that and understanding the hard work behind it, you will get recognised. But the hardest part is just starting. So take on board what Paul said during this interview and apply it to your career. By doing that, you will make your career in sports writing a reality. And good luck. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Paul said, to be a sports journalist, you just need to be determined and resilient to do it. And you don't need permission to get going. There are no excuses.